some fresh earlier than you want to. No, I think we. Whatever you're feeling, it's fun to fuck do something stupid. Feeling silly, I'm silly. Yeah, this is where we get silly with it. If we feel so inclined. It's a chance to kind of just woo, just ah. Back to. <laughs> we, we mentioned County Bang Bang earlier. I like think of it as that sort of thing where like you just there would always be that joke of them just saying something fucking outlandish before they got back to it. Like, all right, now we're back, and it just you're not supposed to really hear what they're saying. You just know it's just it's just, it's just ambient texture, basically. And Podcast ambience. We're and ambient back. texture. Back with the ambient textures. <laughs> we are here on audio ecstasy. We are back, baby. It's our first episode in a few weeks, I think. So we're uh, at least it feels like a month, man. We've been really dropping the ball this year. Yeah, you know life. Life doesn't. Not any thing. one particular. Just it just it is. It's I, I, me. No, no, dropping. I because I, I. It's not fair to me to say dropping the ball because it is life. I mean, we both try to do this as much as we can. It's not something where it's I'd ever, be in the booth every day with. It's you. not something where it's like, oh, I just don't feel like it. It's just no. We just we're busy boys. There's a lot going on. But you know what? These moments are special, and you know it's nice to be able to actually do it when we have the time for it. But what were you saying? Oh, I mean, I was just going to say life. Uh, finds a way. Life finds a way, and some and you might be out there wondering now who was that. And that's Brandy. We got Brandy on the show with us today. We're talking about my favorite VeggieTales character, John Kale. Thanks. I'm going to put it in like a... Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we're talking John Kale on the pod today. We've had this one planned for a few months now because I needed some time to go in and do a little more research. Yeah, with John Kale dropped, I think it's his 17th or 19th, I'm not positive, but like one of, you know, a, his latest studio LP, Mercy, in January, and, you know, with perfectly reasonable excuse to just have a full-blown John Kale episode, but yeah, no, we needed some time to really kind of get our affairs in order. I mean, I, we both, I, all three of us have been fans of Kale for a while, but there is quite a bit there to wade through, and you know, yeah. like the the you know Velvet Underground first couple records after collaborations with uh, Terry Riley, uh, Brian stuff. Eno. Uh, I mean, that's just the yeah production stuff. That's like uh, you know just skimming the surface to some extent. So there, there's a lot there. But there's a lot going on. But yeah. before we can get into that, we have there's some housekeeping that needs to be done, Always, and you yes. know what's at the top of the list. We got a new first time guest on the show. Brandy, do you know about the questions? I do know about the questions. All right. So the first one is, what was the first music that you reached out for, either like downloaded or CD you bought? You know what I mean? First thing that wasn't thrust upon you, the first thing that you chose you wanted to listen to in life. I actually remember the first cassette tape that I picked out in a store. I was about five years old. Okay. And it was Donna Lewis. Uh, because I will always be in love with the song I Love You Always Forever. Who is Donna Lewis? Um, I feel bad too because I feel like <laughs> she has come up before. I feel like you brought her up to me before, but I sincerely do not remember who Donna Lewis is. Yeah. Oh, um, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Danny's having a meltdown. She's a pop singer that was popular in the 90s. Um, and do you remember what it was about that? Like, were you already, like, you'd heard oh, some songs? Oh, she's Welsh. Yes, she did is the, Welsh. Did the artwork, was that striking? Was there something about I it that you were drawn to? I don't remember what the tape even looked like. But you just remember honing it? I remember like, holding this. it as I was walking out of the store and then listening to it in my mom's car as we drove home. Um... When it came to music that actually, you know, really formed my taste later on, um, one of the 
first albums that I listened to over and over and over again was Blondie's Parallel Lines. Yeah, now now we're getting closer to the sort of answer that I would have expected. I know, see, I know who Blondie is. <laughs> and was that just and was that just your was Blondie your lunchbox? Was Blondie the poster? Was that your whole life? Was that just you were Blondie? I never had a lunchbox with anyone on it. You heard it here first, folks. Yep. No <laughs> lunchboxes with anyone on no it. No branded Did, boxes. Didn't become a lifestyle? Um, I think that getting into Blondie and then Ramones, the Sex Pistols, mm-hmm. um, everything punk, by the time I started high school, it had definitely affected the way I dressed, mm-hmm. my hair, the makeup I wore. Mm-hmm. Just bright colors. And, yeah. A lot of like As garish as can be, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know the punk look. I know the whole punk. Oh, yeah. Danny's punk. You know, yeah. Punk. <laughs> yeah, yeah just really happy and a lot of sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking right. So Rainbow shirts. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't scowling at people in the hallways or anything. No, that's not what punks so. do. Yeah, ready for part two? Yeah, I'm ready for part two. And then, who was the most recent artist that you've got really gotten into? Like, so Dylan and I talked about this a couple of months ago, and he assured me that he believes their album was very overrated. It was. (laughs) Is. But um, we're gonna do it in a second. I've. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love this so much. I. This is the dynamic Dylan and I have and I always it. had. And I love it. Um, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have really enjoyed listening to Wet Leg oh, recently. Okay, yeah. um, I've been watching. Um, video clips from their tour and that's actually made me enjoy them more because you're seeing these people like go hard on these instruments um which is something that is a lot more subdued on the album like the recorded album yeah um it reminds me a little bit of clementine creevy and cherry glazer um dylan and i saw Cherry Glazer live a few years ago and the way she played that guitar (laughs) was so much fun and with so much energy and it was something that you couldn't get through recordings of the albums I mean do I think that Cherry Glazer's Apocalypse Dick is a much better album than Wet Leg? Yes but you asked about lately. Yeah, you already <laughs> finished Jerry Glazer, Wet Leg. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're certainly, like, one of the last bands that I remember. I mean, I've hyped up some bands to you, but that, like, as far as, like, contemporary bands that you've gotten into lately, I mean, that, that definitely makes sense. And we have you talked Wet Leg much I was wondering, because yeah, I was going to say, you definitely know the name. I mean, if you read yeah. blogs, if you've read any Lounge. blogs last year, like, you definitely yeah. have come across them before. I school, I got the big D, bro. I come out, <laughs> I'm not up on what's going on. Okay, I got a music podcast, bro. I'm keeping my, I I, my ears to the ground. I, I want to uh, just stress that I don't think that record is terrible. I don't think Wet Leg are a terrible band. I, it is just one of those things where 
it, there was so much hype behind it, and I was sort of baffled beyond just because I mean there is something that like again the way they present themselves, the tone of their writing, it's very you know sort of just tongue in cheek and whimsical and clever. Like there there are a lot of things about that that are like easy to see why it was catnip for certain critics, but like. I just didn't find the music very interesting, and it just was not the sort of right. Like I just saw it topping your endless, and I'm like, I, this is just baffling. But uh, not a bad record by any means, and uh, a record that like they, they are. I mean, to your point though, as far as like just seeing them live, like it's cool that you felt like that was you know just a different experience on the record because there are so many like I mean we were talking about punk earlier where you know there's that classic thing of whether it's like hardcore punk or more straight up whatever just like oh yeah the hard to really kind of capture that energy to do a completely you know do justice to it completely on recordings and mm-hmm. in the case of like seeing Cherry Glazer live I don't even think it was just that, that black and white cut and dry it was just a different sort of energy and like the guitar was definitely more intense and you know dynamic live than it comparable to the recordings not that it's not on the recordings it was just a different sort of energy there but with what like it's cool to hear that yeah that like those songs just felt more kind of just urgent and intense than they might have come off on the record and uh, where did you where did you see them? I didn't see them. I oh, just said that videos. video yes. clips. Right, 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 yeah. Right. Um, Does anyone know where they? I'm just curious though what room they would have played if they came to Detroit. Does anyone know where they played? That's a great question because they are one of those bands where it. I, I would honestly bet that a different room each of the last couple of years. I would I would have to imagine 2021. Have they been around that long too? A few, I mean, maybe this 20 or the, 19. or This one, is the on, debut album, though, yes, right? It's just yeah, been yeah. singles? Yes. They've played been the smart Maybe an EP or something, I don't know. Out. Yeah, they, they, they've been on for a handful of years. Their debut came out last year. But I honestly do think that, like, 21, because I, I think they were active in 21. 21, 22, 23, probably a bigger room, a notably bigger room every year is mm-hmm. what I would guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure at this point in time where I think that they'd be playing. But, like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely, uh, like, you know, just, you know, are established at this point for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I sincerely hope that you get a chance to see them soon. I, uh, you know, comes down to it, definitely would be <laughs> down to just go with, um, you know, if it's not something just, you know, outrageous ticket wise. But like, yeah, they, uh, it's, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they go. And I, you know, don't, I'm not like, you know, necessarily pegging them as some sort of one trick pony that's just going to have diminishing turns from here on out. I sincerely, you know, want, like, want to believe that they'll continue to build on sound and do things that are more interesting to me. But, you know, we have, well, we will see how that progresses, but um, want to just uh, oh, actually, you know what? I <laughs> uh, was Cherry Glazer uh, the last show that we went together, Randy. Um, can't remember if that was after AB Terror or not. Cherry Glazer, I believe, was after AB Terror, but I think there were. A couple of shows after that, I I, they're in chronological list I know, in the I was, embroidery I, I know, I that know, I gave you. I know. Bell Sebastian is the last one, but like obviously you weren't there. That doesn't count for all intents and purposes. Yeah, that's here. Like, why it's well, know, that's, embroidered that's, and very pale pink. Well, yeah, of course. So like, you mean that that was supposed <laughs> to be the last awesome. one? It's paler because of that. Yeah, you can barely read it. Um, that was the show I went. That was the show that Dan was at. Yeah, you got yeah, that ticket. Yeah, you that, that's right. got to yeah. go see one of my favorite bands of all time. What because make, I couldn't go. <laughs> what would make you feel better if I said it was really good or not? No, I already know that you really enjoyed it, it really and good. that you like Bell and Sebastian more now, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. makes me happy. I so. feel like I didn't. They're like one of those bands where like I didn't. I knew I'd heard clips of it. I wouldn't know like a song prior to that show, but it just felt like you. Like I feel like they're just one of those bands that have such an iconic sound and oh, yeah. aesthetic that you just know already. Like 
like oh that's a Bell and Sebastian ass band like you could like they've just got a, such a succinct thing oh yeah it's so well defined for yeah. sure like and yeah I mean I. I, I thought that was a great show, and I would definitely see them again. And like, they're a band that I was, I, I enjoyed before I met Brandy, but uh, just I definitely got into them, you know, harder since knowing you. And uh, like, there, there are a lot of great records there. I think the first three are just like undeniable classics for sure. Um, yeah, that was a really great show. I do hope that I, uh, you know, get a chance to actually see Bell and Sebastian with you at some point in time. That would be wonderful. But um, I hope so too. I'm sadly going to have to pivot really quickly to a show that was not very satisfying. Whoa. That was uh, the most Whoa. recent uh, live uh, show of Eve Tumores, Eve Tumores that I caught. Uh, I did not know this. At the Majestic a few know. weeks ago. I knew ago, the album or or so was a long The album left me cold and the show left me cold too. I was, I, so, Whoa. I know, a bit of a, a bombshell here because, I mean, Eve Tumores is definitely one of those acts, you know, like Spirit of the Beehive that I've just been hyping up and Wednesday now, like just relentlessly the last handful of years. I do think their 2018 Warp debut, Safe in the Hands of Love, is Full, one of the best pop records of the 21st century, full stop, just Alan Goddard otherwise. But, um, and like they were at an incredible show, you know, uh, you know, blogged about career making. Not, I don't know, that's a little dramatic, but it was a, a pretty remarkable pitchfork uh, performance in 2021. Great set at uh, Elk Club, or was it? Uh, I think it might have been Elk Club, uh, 2022. But yeah, at the Majestic, uh, when I what caught up in this year, it was just. It felt uh, like, first of all, Majestic, the sound of Majestic is very hit or miss. More often than not, it's a little muddy. And the last couple that shows that I've been there uh, that I caught there actually were much better sounding than I would have expected. And I'll be getting into some of those uh, a little bit later. But yeah, the Eve Tomorrow show just felt like they were really just kind of going through the motions with it. The, like it just, it, it felt very kind of just lackluster, kind of just showy sort of thing where you're just like constantly just trying to like amp up the crowd and not really, it just like prowling on the stage, not like. It just—I don't know—the the energy was really just sort of not there, and the the, uh, the mixes didn't do any justice, obviously. And like, yeah, those songs just aren't very like. Go figure. The you know only really kind of exciting moments were just some of the throwback tracks, but like, yeah, there was really nothing on that record that I felt like was elevated on any level by their present, you know, the performance of the uh, that night. So I just, yeah, really left me pretty cold. But uh, well, you heard it here first, folks. The fall of Eves is upon us. I get like you know I I mean because of two the fact strikes. that two strikes they've uh you know put out you know enough records that I think are phenomenal that I will get continue to just you know mod just you know view what they're do like watch their career for sure as it progresses but like I yeah I did not think that they'd be putting out anything that left me that cold this soon after you know just so many great records so that was disappointing but I mean have they become a show that's jumped the shark to you or yeah uh, perhaps. Perhaps that's the yeah. It, it does kind of feel that way. A potential shark jump on their hands. <laughs> yeah, too. yeah. Okay. Uh, thankfully, I got a nice little redemption round the night after at the Blind Pig, seeing uh, the world is a beautiful place and I'm no longer afraid to die. They were uh, touring the 10th anniversary of their debut, whatever if ever. Which, I mean, that's a, a huge fourth wave emo touchstone. One of the most influential like indie rock emo records of the last decade for sure. A band that I love very dearly. I mean, probably my favorite emo group of all time, honestly. And I'd seen them a couple times before, always good. And, uh, yeah, it just, I mean, it was a great show. The energy was unbelievable. They played, like, half the record through, then went to some, uh, just, like, songs from other, you know, subsequent records, and then they finished out the rest of the record after that. And oh, that's cool. You used it as, like, a bookend? Device? Yes, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I've seen the records played through all the way before, and not, yeah. not done like that. It was a cool presentation. Um, and, yeah, just great energy, great, you know, just chemistry of the band members i mean it really is like you know again with this sort of music i mean it's just like you know catharsis just you know pouring out of every pore so to speak and i mean it really was one of those things where it was just i 
yeah, I, I felt felt a little bit lighter just like you know walking out of that venue. Mm-hmm. It's like they're they're just one of those groups that it just it feels, you know, like on you know, as close as I'm going to get to transcendence seeing live pretty, music. What was the turnout for that like? Uh, it was pretty good. I don't think they sold out the venue, but it was pretty full. Okay. I, I couldn't really say with certainty, but yeah, it looked like it was pretty close to being sold out they or were, not. But. They were getting into that on IndieCast, and I thought that was an interesting question, too, like with the Fox and Hotel Year 10-year anniversary tour. Oh, what is What yes. does the turnout for that look like? Because it is something where, like, I don't know, I feel like in the music scene here, those are bands that I hear as touchstones constantly, like... Well, it's certainly like in your circles as well. Like just uh, yeah, specifically just, the bands that like you know you are friends with and have played with. It's like it seems I, like those are huge for. Yeah, I always hear about those, and so I never know. Like they were talking about an indie cast. If I'm just hearing like a distorted lens because they're, I'm hearing from people who are such big fans, or if these bands are really just like huge touchstones at this point in time for like DIY music. Or yeah, and that's the thing is I I do think yeah it's the these are. I don't know. I I kind of I I go back and forth on this a lot too because I again just assume that again being. Yeah, this isn't like third wave stadium emo. This is you know just smaller scale DIY stuff. I really figured that like these bands had just pretty fledgling licenses across the board, and then I saw Joyce Manor in 2016 at L Club. The first time I ever went to L Club, and not only was it sold out, people were moshing the entire time. The entire it was the only show I've ever been to where <laughs> the entire crowd was moshing the entire time. I got separated from my friends immediately and was drenched in sweat within two minutes. It was unbelievable. And so like seeing something like that, it's like. Yeah, this, this stuff is uh, much... A lot of these bands have, you know, a much wider audience than you'd be led to believe given the sort of music they play and, you know, the sort of places that are covering them, et cetera, et cetera, sales, whatever. But, yeah, I do think that, again, looking at, like, that Hotelier um, uh, Foxing show, for example, I was actually going to buy a ticket for that the other day, and I, I haven't yet, but I, I do plan to. I, I, I think fo- it's sold out. Is it sold out? Yeah, because oh, Chris had to get one to Portland. Oh, okay. So yeah. I guess that maybe, also maybe, speaks to it right yeah, there. They are maybe, selling well. Yeah, that's, well, that's... Okay, so... Uh, I'll do um, some quick reconnaissance <laughs> while you're right on. I, was just, I, I do enjoy Foxing. I thought their last record was pretty terrible, but Near My God from 2018 is a great record, and I, I've seen it a few times. Actually, opening for The World is a Beautiful Place a few years ago, and it was a good set, and I've seen the hotel year a few times. Um, yeah, they actually opened for that Joyce Manor show that I just brought up, which is a great set, and then they headlined a show with Oso Oso the year after, but... They've been dormant for a while, and I, I would like to see them again at some point. But point being is that I saw – two times that I saw the hotel year were at opening for Joyce Manor at El Club and then headlining with Oso Oso at Max Bar. Then a few years later, after not putting out any music, they're playing at the Majestic. So, I mean, you know, that speaks volumes in and of itself. That's sweet. You saw them at Max, too. Yeah. It was one of the few times I'd been to Max, and, like, really the perfect sort of – like, that band, like, at that point, it felt – like, I would have wanted them to play into a bigger room, obviously, just having, you know – kind of gotten the traction that they had at that point but it, it felt very appropriate to be hearing like you know that sort of music goodness specifically that record in that mm-hmm. kind of space and yeah as much as I do want to see the Hotel Year I if it is sold out that's I'm definitely happy for them I really want a new record but I'm not holding my breath uh, <laughs> right, well Ticket Web is making this very difficult so we'll oh. circle back later to whether or not the show is sold out good deal Brandy yeah. are you familiar with Eve Tamir at all I, I'm jumping around a lot so I'm sorry about that but um just barely. Okay, because I feel like they may have come up. I'm sure, like, actually, you have well, mentioned. I, I was going to say, I actually remember very specific, <laughs> yes. what very specific day when Safe Nans Love came out. That So, yeah, they definitely, they would have been hyped up, I'm sure, quite a bit at some point. Um, and they were, like, I think the record after that, actually, uh, Happened to a Tortured Mind and the subsequent EP are much more goth rock and, like, post-punk leaning. If there's Ooh. anything of theirs that you'd like, I would imagine it's that stuff, but the new record's definitely not the place to jump in by any means. 
Okay, um, but goth rock and post punk yeah. are my jam. I'll, so. I'll, I'll show some of that to you on the way back. I, I sincerely think that you would enjoy that stuff specifically. Outside of that, it's hard to say because you know, drawing more from what all sorts of you know, just hardcore and industrial and shoegaze and all kinds of just, you know, strands of electronic music, ambient, drum, whatever. But th- those records are a little bit more streamlined after Save the Hands of Love. But and also, I, I wanted to ask: with uh, are you? familiar with any of these other bands we've talked about Joyce Manor Fox Sing The World is a Beautiful Place Hotelier like the, the fourth wave emo big dogs I am definitely familiar with Joyce Manor okay um, I mean I know people who love Joyce Manor but also are obsessed with um, like Taylor Swift mm. and Charlie XCX and Optimism, baby. Yeah. Fucking optimism. I feel like Taylor Swift's one of those artists that, like, there's fans of every genre that also happen to like Taylor. Like, you can oh, totally. find yeah. hardcore totally. metalhead dads who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm fearless in the car with my daughter. I love it. Like, I would say Charlie XCX is the same sort of thing. Yeah. Like, regardless of where but, you're coming from, as far as, like, being a music nerd or just being somebody that listens to the radio, like, Charlie XCX definitely bridges a lot of gaps mm-hmm. in I, that way. I mean, I don't even typically listen to pop and... I mean, anymore. I obviously did as a small child. <laughs> but um, the song Charlie XCX wrote for the movie Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Which, if you haven't seen it, a great movie. You should check it out. Okay. Yeah. Um, a very fun take on the whodunit. Like, really, uh, definitely a very yeah. interesting it's unraveling good, of good about the music, guys. Oh, no, <laughs> we were, no, we're doing, we're doing fun. Oh, I don't even have a good name for it. Film Never mind. Yeah, I was going to say movie moments. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> anyway, I wrote an article about the song um, Hot Girls that she um, wrote and recorded specifically for the movie. And it had become such a big part of me for a little while last summer that I was listening to this pop song over and over again instead of you know my usual go-to's yeah instead of your shit that's right yeah. <laughs> that's good that's gay i like that you know what i mean there's always we're always still mutating and fucking changing we're always mutating and fucking changing that's right yep. and i i mean just speaks to that sort of thing too where yeah i mean i think charlie xx like yeah that she's honestly like on both ends i feel like a pretty like somebody that I can see being a, a gateway into just pop in general for a lot of people, but also maybe into other strands of avant-garde music as well, depending on where you're coming from. Like, she, again, I think bridges a lot of gaps in that I way. Like the and idea like, of pop needing a gateway. Like, Well, that <laughs> pop needing a gateway, it would be like the, the other side. People who have been already like, I'm done with pop. I, that's, yeah. that's, that's what I'm saying. The other yeah. side of that, where it's like, it's hard to imagine that like, oh, you never had any exposure to it and I'm it's just a completely foreign thing. Music. It would have to, I would imagine be something where, yeah, whatever, you heard on the radio or whatever and just like phased out of your life, thought that you yeah. were just not for you and then, oh, oh, yeah, maybe there is some stuff here for me, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'm coming back around a little bit, whatever. But, and does that like, describe me a little bit? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then uh, after, this is a, a three-peat, uh, what it's worth here. Uh, Eve Tamer, mm-hmm. Wednesday, I saw The World of People Place on Thursday at the Lion Pig, and then Friday was Yeji at the Majestic. Oh. And this was uh, the first show I remember seeing at the Majestic that actually sounded pretty fucking solid. Mm-hmm. Um, are either of you familiar with Yeji? She's a South Korean DJ producer. I see her everywhere, but I don't know a drop of music. Okay, um, really great stuff. I wasn't that big on her record that came out this year. I think it's called With a Hammer. Um, her mixtape and two first EPs, I think, are really strong. The second one has a, a cover of Drake's Passion Fruit, which blows the original out of the water, in my opinion. Shocking, I know. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, a really interesting artist. Uh, one's just like techno and drum and bass and a lot of other just strains of electronic music and sings as well. Uh, and it was it was a really solid show. I mean, she typically performs, you know, DJing behind the decks. And for this, uh, the music was just kind of playing as a backdrop and she was dancing and singing and had like choreographed just dancers up there with her and sounded, yeah, again, much crisper than I can ever really remember hearing a show at the Majestic Sounding. And uh, it was just a really kind of cool presentation. A great, like, just mix of, you know, just songs throughout her career. She played all of her best work, in my opinion, and her voice sounded great. And really, really cool presentation. Exactly the sort of thing where it's like, oh, that's on paper maybe not the kind of show that I would actually want from somebody like Yeji, but just fucking knocked it out of the park. And it was what, just like, oh, I, I would see her again in a heartbeat. Like, compared to Eve's two nights before, what was the turnout? Who, who, had, who had more? I think think that she did but like they were both pretty i don't i don't know if i i think the ag show sold out i'm not positive about eve tomorrow but um they were pretty comparable i mean both definitely okay. big rooms for sure yeah yeah and uh like yeah i uh i just i'm glad that i got a chance to see her there because i do think that like i could see her you know you playing larger rooms in the majestic at some point down the road but um yeah just a very interesting artist i i, I whether you know i get a chance cause she was actually at pitchfork the year that we went mm. i think she was she went up playing at the same time as anko or somebody else that we were seeing it might have been big thief i don't i don't remember just wasn't gonna happen it just it was one of those things where it was just like i want to i want to see her then but it was like yeah there's absolutely no way it's gonna happen kind of thing but my point being is that i would catch her again headlining a show i'd love to see her at a festival like yeah. i think it'd be she'd be excited to see a lot of different sort of contexts uh, whether again she's behind the decks or just singing and dancing like she was and somebody that I'm looking forward to, again, just seeing Howard Cooper, I guess, is I think that despite the fact that I, I wasn't her latest record, she is a very interesting artist, and, yeah, it's just taking electronic music to some, you know, exciting places. So, mm-hmm. uh, definitely an artist that I would recommend wholeheartedly. Really, the, the first two EPs, and then uh, What We Drew, that mixtape is aces. Well, um, if you had the chance <laughs> to see her at a festival again, mm-hmm. but once again, Big Thief was playing at the same time. Don't do this to me. Would you make the same decision, or are you totally so. committed to what you just said? Well, I said that I would like to see her festival. I, didn't I know. Say, I, didn't I, say that I just I, wanted to know the <laughs> magnitude sure, sure, of sure. this desire. Well, yeah, no, it, it, it totally depends, because, again, it is that sort of thing where you bring a big thief who are not only one of my favorite bands of the month, honestly, one of my favorite bands of all time. So, like, that's, if it's Animal Collective or Big Thief or Wednesday, almost certainly not going to see AG, regardless of how many times I've seen these bands, because I just adore them all so much. But, you know, if it's, like, I don't know, Yeji and, um, I don't know, The World Is for the fourth or fifth time, maybe I will see AG. I don't know. And, you know, again, I, I adore that band, too, but, again, it just depends on... Yeah, who it is, what time of the day it is, when stuff's starting, because, you know, with the way that Pittsburgh is, sets are staggered in a way where it might, I might not feel inclined to just walk over somewhere for, like, half a set if, you know, I'm going to end up making my way back to somewhere else for, you know, another thing right afterwards. I mean, there are a lot of factors that play into that kind of thing. I could pretty safely say that, again, if I've seen Big Thief a dozen times, I'm probably going to go see Big Thief for that 13th time over Yeji the second time, but that's because it's fucking Big Thief. Uh, I... Yeah, it's tough. It's real. It's... that's I, I hate having to <laughs> answer that, but I think, like... Compared to like most artists that I've Just seen before, man, don't worry. Yeah, and I, me out. I love me out. putting you in situations that hypothetical situations, not real situations. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry, I'll, but I'll... hypothetical situations <laughs> that make you question 
yourself and stress you out and i'm sorry no you've never thought this before it's a, this is a fun exercise and i i think that uh yeah like again more likely than not if it's an act that i have seen before i probably will see age again it just it would have to be one of those things where like oh maybe it's yeah band i haven't seen in a decade and i you know really love their new record so i'm gonna go see them over age but yeah again it just depends on what else is going on but i can't imagine i i really um uh oh who's gonna go with this i haven't been jamming on EAG a whole lot as a late but again I it was fun to kind of go through uh, her you know like I would with anybody that I see live her past couple of records and like the new stuff and just kind of you know get a, a full scan of just what she's put out leading up to that show but um, aside from obviously tons of John Cale I've been uh, jamming on a lot of Fleet Foxes because Danny and I also saw them we're getting into what we're jamming on well, aren't we right yeah now? we are getting into what we're jamming on we'll be getting to that a little bit later as well but yeah a lot of Fleet Foxes as a late um what else? Uh, new, some, I mean, always contemporary stuff. The new Homer's Rare record is incredible. That's a fifth wave EO band. I'll be getting into that, I'm sure. This is a segment soon. where we talk about what we're jamming on. Uh, what the fuck else? A lot of, uh, you know, as you can imagine, Pitchfork stuff, because we are near in the corner. Pitchfork Music Festival 2023 is only a few weeks away, so still running through all the work of all the artists that are on that, uh, playing that festival, and been going through a lot of the older Killer Mike stuff, going through earlier JPEG stuff. Uh, some Lucretia adults, yeah, just you know, all kinds of artists that I enjoy, but maybe haven't gone as deep on as a late. And um, mm-hmm. I actually, I haven't heard the new Killer Mike yet, but I'm definitely wary about it from everything that I've heard. Yeah, I, uh, I, it's I, never I, been I, for me. To be I, I thought the singles were really strong, but um, yeah, just again from the stuff that I've read and heard about it, uh, it sounding like yeah, lyrically it might be a little bit hard to kind of bit of a real it. lecture. Yeah, <laughs> real cap- gonna, capital. That's gonna sit you down. Capital L libertarian lecture, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you said Killer Mike's never really been for you. I mean, did, you don't really no. focus because I knew that like the Run the Jewel stuff didn't really do a whole lot for you, but like as a solo act either. No, did you not. didn't you catch them at Pitchfork one year? I might have, but. That not that it may, means that you yeah. like them, but I just like you, you've seen it. Just like yeah, not for you, whatever. Like, like I don't know. It's just it's such like it's like the epitome of dad rap. It's just like yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just not my bag. Yeah, it's not, no, it's not, not a lot of fun in it. So, like, uh, well, it, it depends. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever your mileage on fun looks like. But no, given like what yeah you find fun about music, it's that's not hard to believe on any level. Yeah. Uh, we I don't I, I don't think that we had really got into it. I kind of was under the impression that again the run the jewel stuff wasn't really for you, but I'm not surprised to hear that yeah Killer Mike on the whole kind of leaves you cold. Mm-hmm. Safe to say you haven't been jamming on that as of late, but what have you been jamming on as of late? Just Steely Dan. Just Steely Dan. Just all right Steely on. Dan. I'm in my so, Steely Dan phase. Uh, predominantly late period stuff because we have talked about this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm starting to get out. into the new stuff or the or the earlier stuff, but it's yep. mostly the last two of the original seven. Gaucho yep. and Asia. Yep. I've been going yep. deep on. Um, yeah, you know, I feel like they're another band like Bell and Sebastian where like well actually I, well, I do kn- did know some of their songs they're a band like Bell and Sebastian that you kind of just know what it sounds like right away you have like the whole picture in your head yeah a very clearly defined aesthetic right out of the gates yeah. is unmistakable yeah but um, for me what's been interesting actually getting into them that I feel like is un- a little bit understated it's well known but it's not like I feel like the main thing people talk about with them is just how funny the lyrics are and like clever and like sardonic and like oh yeah every single song is just like a really tight great short story that leaves you with like questions and there's just like great images and great characters like so always like i would say like evocative and open-ended and like yeah. something that like there, there are no like clear like oh this is going to be wrapped up with a little it's just like these wild kind of yeah images that you're basically yeah, like songs about for, like like uh, 
bas- like famous basketball players who after the game are making calls from their car. They're using a car phone in the late 70s to order cocaine from Colombia and then meeting at Mr. Chow's for Szechuan dumplings to celebrate the deal being done. And like, just like, just I go, I please, I want to see that movie. Like, show me that. Like, I just want to like, every song so good. Um, we really need to do a see like the end round table at some point. Like that, yeah. that that's an inevitability. Yeah. I, I am curious, Brandy. Um, also, yeah, being somebody that um, is as enamored with punk music as you are, how do you feel about Steely Dan? I actually have not listened to much Steely Dan at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I don't have anything to add to this conversation. I don't. And I am very sorry. No, no, nothing to apologize for. I don't know why I framed it as what do you think? I should have just asked, have you listened to them? Are you familiar <laughs> on any level? Because I, I mean, they, again, they just don't necessarily scan me as an act that you would necessarily gravitate towards, but I would definitely be curious what you think about that. Like, again, just because there are, there are aspects of it that I think you would appreciate, but just not maybe on the whole your sort of act. Yeah, I definitely have not found myself in my 30 years. <laughs> gravitating towards steely dan it'll I'm, happen i mean We've got time. i now have i must listen to them now so that i can answer but your question don't, <laughs> don't trust the, the tricky thing with steely dan is the t- their top three most popular songs are from their first album and it makes it look like that's like the big album can't buy a thrill but that's not at all what like the steely dan sound is it's sort of like creep with radiohead or something where oh, it's okay like, there's like yeah. one of like a couple defining early things that the general public may know as them yeah. But like the actual iconic sound is not when they kind yeah. of yeah if you for sure, yeah, yeah. if you tried to define Radiohead by Creep that would be but it, asinine. It, it, but in a weird way, Creep does have all of the like things that make Radiohead down the road, like the feeling of like alienation. Like it's just not them crystallized yet. Yeah, you can see you can see the piece of the puzzle laid out basically, but they have not messed. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Okay, yeah. maybe saying it was asinine was a little harsh. It was asinine. <laughs> <laughs> horrible. What have you been doing? Well, I recently forced my father to listen to me singing along to Rebel Yell by Billy Idol for maybe the 40th time. Oh, yeah. Um, I obviously have been listening to John Cale leading up to this, mm-hmm. especially um, Paris 1919. Um, I have been spending a lot of time around my family um, and outside and in the pool, so it'll usually be just a lot of beach. Steve Aoki remixes of the Beach Boys. Oh my god! That I was just about to say it will be a lot of the Beach Boys. I have not forgiven you for that, Danny. I'm still I'm I'm still upset about that. I showed you fucking the wrinkles. Ruined somewhere. my whole fucking. I woke up to that. Did shit. I show you that Mike Love? Uh, he has an album that got canned called Country Love from the 70s. No, I don't think we've and talked about this. he has this song about a dead dog called Wrinkles. Oh I'm sorry to tickle. This terrible. It's oh hilarious. I, <laughs> There's so, it's like a lot of like like sad, bad rhymes, bark, dark. Like Yeah, that's that's the love toolkit, baby. Yes. <laughs> We're into. But it's so funny. It's, I, like, I love it. I'm I, sorry, though. I mean. It just makes his comments about Van Dyke's park work on Smile that much more adorable. I'm sorry, yeah. Ratty, but Jesus, dude. I, um, I was just, I mean, it's just like a lot of the Beach Boys, Rolling Stones, 
um, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, the speaking, Beatles. Speaking of like that's like a good job. Yeah. yeah. So, like, like where's, yes. your, what's your, where's your family live? Bullseye Danny Corps. You're chilling. You got a pool? <laughs> yeah, there's a pool, and then there's the speaker. Um, yeah, Danny's coming over later. For sure. Right? Yeah, you <laughs> After you a got shift. a grill? Oh, yeah, totally. Is the whole family veg, or can I bring over some? I'm the only veg. <laughs> Fuck yeah, yeah. Dad, Daddy's definitely coming over. Bringing like, over ribs. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we ready to get into? Dude, let's do it. The boy. Let's All right. So I, you know, just out of the gates, like we're with the else, I have to, you know, wonder where was the initial, you know, how, how did you guys get into it? Was it just the Velvet Underground? Do you remember like when you were first kind of being made aware of John Cale and, you know, just his music at writ large? Uh, for me, definitely, it was. In high school, early high school, my dad showed me Femme Fatale and uh, mm. Heroin. Okay. And I got into Velvet Underground, and I was like an art kid in high school, so like knowing there was the Andy Warhol connection, and just the mm. way Velvet Underground's framed, it's like you, we know what their position is in rock history. Like they're supposed to be the like cool underground artsy avant-garde band. It's so, like as a high schooler, that's like the identity I wanted, so I reached for it. I was like, I'm gonna make myself like this. And I did, but it's like, it's not hard to like. I think it's pretty, like, as odd as it is, I think, like, most people can kind of, like, catch what's good about it. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, like, a big Velvet Underground fan in high school and college. I don't think I got anywhere near the solo work until the last year here. Um, but a lot of the stuff he had produced, I was a huge fan of, like, Modern Lovers, that LP. Ooh, like a, yes. That's, like, an obsession for oh, me. Oh, yeah. That's a, a um, definitely a fan, favorite of Brandon's it, sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and then the collaborate. I mean, he's also, he's just a name I feel like I've seen referenced a lot forever, like LCD Sound System referencing Kale constantly. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, mostly it was, like, the production stuff outside of the, uh, the Velvet Underground stuff. How about mm. for you? Uh, for me, I mean, I, I feel like the first, so... Interestingly enough, uh, I didn't get into the Velvet Underground until I was in college. Oh, I'm sorry. This, wait, real quick. I'm so I'm interrupting you, but I just had to. There's other no, huge ahead, ones that I he produced. Yeah, do, that do, I, do it up. Patty Nick, Smith. Nick yeah. Bright. I'm not oh, a yeah. Patty Smith fan. That is, that is a little surprising. At all. I, I, I would not have guessed that. I, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised Patty Smith has never come up before not, with us. Not for me. But that speaks to it. That you, you never would have brought her up. Brighter, later, you know, Nick Drake, The Stooges. The Stooges. He yeah. produced their first mm-hmm. album. I'm into guys rock, okay? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that, that's totally what it is. Yeah. yeah, for sure. No, Nico, like the Nico albums are great. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry. The go back no, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's had, like... Yeah, honestly, outside of just this, his own music, an incredible production career. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that alone is pretty fucking remarkable. But um, yeah, I I was gonna bring this up when we. This isn't an episode, but some you know unfortunate housekeeping here. I we were never able to uh, upload the episode that we had Josh Engel on for when we were talking uh, about it's Dylan's time out of mind. But the first time I actually ever heard of the Velvet Underground was through Josh Engel at Camp Saint Maria. Oh, cool. I forgot to bring this up on that pod, and it really did kind of bump me out afterwards because I just wanted to thank him for this. Probably. One of the highest compliments that I've ever received in my life. We, I was probably in middle school at this point, and towards the end of camp, he was doing this thing where he was like, "If anybody wants, I will name a band that you make me that you know reminds me of you." And I was like, "Okay, cool. What do you got for me?" And he said, "Velvet Underground." And I was uh... like, "Huh?" And then years later, I was like, "Did he mean Velvet Revolver?" Because no, Jesus Christ, not. what a fucking compliment! Oh my! Yeah. I was like, when I started to get into them, I was like, "No, f- this is." That was just way, way sweeter than yeah. not, that. I, at that point in time, for sure. I mean, Jesus. But no, I, I uh, got into them, yeah, freshman in college. And it was probably like, 
I think Venus and Furs was the first time that it really kind of dawned on me how integral what Kale was doing to you know their, their presentation. The whole I don't think I like ripped the record all the way through. But I, I don't know how it ended up. Ha- I, I, I do think Venus and Furs was the first song I heard that blew my mind and the rest is history. But yeah, it would have been just that sort of thing running through the Velvet Underground work and then you know Stooges and uh, his first couple of solo records and and then yeah, just again going down the sort of rabbit hole. I mean, I, I hadn't heard most of his records up until kind of leading up to this exercise but I've been a big fan of um, god damn it I'm saying big fan I'm blanking on the title but the, the collaboration with Brian Eno oh Wrong uh, Way Up Wrong Way Up I think that's a great record um, yeah just th- there's a lot of just there are different things that I've kind of just jumped to over the years that have impressed me, but I still didn't really feel like I had a great sense of, yeah, a, a lot of what he had done, you know, up until kind of fairly recently, but always just somebody that I admired a great deal. And like you were speaking to, is undeniably influential on so much of what I love. I mean, yeah. Animal Collect, A.V. Taran Panabera are on this new record of his, Mercy, and uh, he was featured on uh, Painting With, one of the few artists that have ever mm-hmm. been featured on Animal Collective record. But yeah, that's like the tip of the iceberg. I mean, yep. it's just like he. So much of the stuff I love is just undeniably influenced by what he's done. So yeah, I mean, he just definitely a north star, you know, without question. But what about you, Brandy? Um, still shocked about the hate for Patty Smith. <laughs> but no. Come on, what are we? What's up, fucking horses? Her cover of Bruce is because the night I. I don't know. It's just I mean, as a person, she seems cool. She's also got that song. She's got the song where she says the N word is in the title of the song, and she's like fighting to keep it on Spotify. I'm just not a Patty Smith. I don't mess with Patty. Okay. I like Patty melts. It like we won't talk about her anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I was just surprised. Um, I was a little surprised too. I I don't know Patty Smith that well, but Horses is a fucking. That's a great record. Continue, please. Um, okay, I first became aware of the Velvet Underground through listening to Bell and Sebastian when I was in middle school. Um, because the Velvet Underground is mentioned in a song from Bell and Sebastian's first album. Um, and I really only knew a couple of songs by the Velvet Underground, but I became more interested and listened to more when I was in high school. I remember being upset that, like, my sister was hanging out with friends and my parents were out with friends or something on, like, Christmas Eve and I was at home baking and I was, I like put the Velvet Underground on and was like, this is my mood. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, kind of sad, but also like, I'm awesome. Um, Rebel <laughs> <laughs> in it. Um, and. The first solo John Cale song I heard was Paris 1919. Um, It was sometime in my early 20s, I think. Um, There was something that automatically enchanted me about it. Um, I have listened to it that song and 
subsequently that album more than any of his other solo work but um it sounds i mean it's so melodic and it sounds so bright and it's a bit like twee oh, but yeah. yeah we were talking about this a little bit the other yeah, day it's, i totally got it has a like, lot of like proto twee like, moments well, that's, yeah that's where i mean i feel like also even pre-kill we've talked yeah we know we, we, we had the same conversation like last night i was like you know there's stuff uh you know in the velvet underground post kale that's pretty uh pro yeah well, and but. like like i'm thinking of like the stephanie there's like a whole yes. world there's like a specific oh, yeah. it's lane that the velvet underground does that just strikes me as like totally what bell and sebastian was like Ooh, we're gonna build a band out of that and not that they don't also take it farther and do yeah that. it's not strictly derivative of that sort but of like, thing but like that was Stephanie the scenes were planted like yeah uh, totally who loves the sun kind of like that yeah that just like Is that after hours i think bookish the last after there, hours like for sure dude yeah especially even just like lou reed on the cover wearing like the sweater over the like <laughs> button-up oxford shirt it's like oh I'm gonna do that. <laughs> That's when John Bell and Timmy Sebastian were like, "Let's get together. Let's start a band. We could do this." I love that you made up those names. <laughs> uh, but I don't even know what I was saying. Oh yes, we're talking Paris 1919. Yes, if you actually um, consider the lyrics and the time it was released. Um, Is it 73 when it came out? Yes. Okay, I thought it came out in 1973, um, but I don't know if I should get into this yet. Um, yeah, no, by, by, I think we're transitioning into okay. just like free, free ball. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I was literally just going to ask if we, there were any like clear standout favorites for all mm-hmm. of us within his work. You know, we got records with you know, Bell Underground Records or stuff he's done solo or whatever. I, I know that Paris 1919 is your favorite, so like, of course we're just going to be going long. But what were you about to say, Danny? I was going to say one thing I would also love to get onto specifically just as a topic thread is like what we think makes John Cale special. Oh, yeah, what is, like, absolutely. What is the heart of what makes Cale you know, such a big part of such what, an endure, enduring like artist touchstone for yes, so many people. For yes. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he, I mean, he was one of the founding members of the Velvet underground, but only remained in the band for the first two albums because Lou Reed, who we all look back on as being so, talented and experimental wanted the Velvet Underground to not be as experimental as John Cale wanted it to yeah. be. Oh, yeah. So... Lou's always secretly had that, like... Not sellout thing, but, like, people have talked about, like, he always knew, like, even when he was being provocative, he kind of knew, like, what do I gotta say to, like, stay in the headlines, or, like, what do I have yeah. to, like... Yeah, he was playing he the game, make, for sure. He, there's, there's no question he was always he was, like, playing a back the game. and forth between, like, wanting to do it my way, whatever that is, and also playing the game, and, like, finding yeah. that lane. And wanting the, to be accessible. Kale, I yeah. think, is less that. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. That, that's the thing I, I would go back to, is I think that Reed, in my opinion, it seems like he was always trying to play the game just as much as he could on his own terms while still playing it. Yes. If he couldn't, then whatever, so be it. With Kale, that was not, a, it was just, I'm going to do what I want to do, and mm-hmm. that's just fucking it. I don't know. Sometimes and it is super accessible. Like oh, yes. 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 But I think mm-hmm. that is something that has made him such a prolific, enduring, important mm-hmm. artist okay. and mm-hmm. producer. Like, 
that's something really special about him. He's dedicated to continuing to try new things and experiment and mercy alone i mean yeah we're seeing yeah. Him, like still he's one of those guys that i love where he combines two things he's like the guy that can do both like crazy out there avant-garde stuff like he starts with lamont young like doing just like, i was gonna things. say like after the i mean he, there was the terry riley collaborations lamont young stuff mm-hmm. i mean there was some really far out stuff like immediately after there yeah, like, that was like, like pretty weird exciting. compositional stuff but then yeah. he also can go as poppy as paris 1919 or like he can just he can do both and he can fuse both in interesting ways mm-hmm. and, but then I also love that he's one of those people that is like he's not like a I don't know who I want to pick as my straw man here but like we know those certain classic rock dudes who like okay the new I don't even mean this for this guy I, I apologize in advance but like we know what the new John Fogarty album is going to sound like and we know like we don't mm-hmm. need to listen to it if we're not Fogarty heads mm-hmm. but Kale's one of those guys I think like like a Bob Dylan or a Neil Young or like a Bowie or something, You'd be or Joni Mitchell. You'd be foolish with, to write off out of the gates if you feel like you know their stuff that well. Yes, it's they're, like, they're still doing new things. Yeah, they're still taking totally. huge risks. They're still just being badasses. I mean, with that mention of Bowie, um, when, it just reminds me, when John Cale was in the Velvet Underground, but before the Velvet Underground had released a record, um, it was 1965, um, John Cale had been obviously living in the U.S. He went back to London and handed out recordings. And David Bowie actually was covering the Velvet Underground before before the out. Velvet Underground released a record. No, I did not know that. Big That's booster, cool. yeah. Yeah. I know that he was a fan, but not, not that he was, like, covering their songs before they were actually released. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> um, so, Damn. and I mean, Bowie is Bowie. Like. Bowie is Bowie. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's, the, like, we're talking about artists that are sort of like that. I definitely see, again, they're not the same kind of record, but some parallels between a record like Black Star and Mercy, where it's just, like, yeah. these people that, again, are so well-established, truly legacy artists that are making records that don't sound like anything else in their discog. Yep. And, like, I know, Brady, you mentioned that you haven't heard Mercy yet. I think that you should check it out at some point. I mean, yeah, it is just so unusual for I mean, you, again, you have, you know, this sort of chamber pop kind of undercurrent but like it, we talked about earlier Dan I mean there are like trap drums on there there's just like you know just um, not quite dissonance but like He's weird like, totally like textures new, and yeah new tech new technology just, yeah and, so on you like just stuff that like you really again it's unmistakably kale in the sort of adventure spirit behind it but like it just doesn't sound sonically like the kind of stuff that he's ever really kind of done before and like even if you're not into it it's just like holy shit this dude's like 80 years old and is still like pushing himself that dramatically so like did you guys listen to music for a new society at all yeah Okay, because I feel like that's like a cool example too of like, I feel like that one wasn't as successful as Mercy, at least the way I've heard it talked about by mm-hmm. fans, where it's like that mm-hmm. was like a him learning the new technology, but he wasn't able to yet like synthesize it fully into like his worldview. Mm-hmm. And so it's just cool to see like yeah, these artists where like they can take a risk and they know it might be a failure, but maybe it means the next record's gonna like be better for me having explored this avenue and like tried this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned that Paris nineteen nineteen is that like that. That's your favorite record that he has released as a solo artist. It is, and yeah, it does have that more lighthearted sound. But if you examine the lyrics, um, it's very political. Um, 
I mean, it's named Paris 1919 because at of the end of World War One, um, you know, the Treaty of Versailles signed mm. in Paris um, in 1919, um, and he felt that the political climate in Europe in the early 70s was similar to that at the end of World War One, mm. um, with the Cold War going on, everything happening in Vietnam. Um, there was this instability mm -hmm. and sort of this question of whether or not what these politicians are doing now is going to lead to something even more tragic in the future as, mm -hmm. um, you know, the Treaty of Versailles ended up inadvertently leading to uh, <laughs> World War Two. One of my, so. I want to go on record as saying one of my least favorite wars. Oh, that's shocking. I, I would have I guessed that was a top five for you. Uh, huh. <laughs> Weird. I wish, huh. I want to go on record and say I wish that war had never happened. Mm. Interesting take. Yes. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I uh, it's it's kind of kind of remarkable that again, he, somebody like Kale seeing the writing on the wall like that and responding with a record that is as immediate as Paris. And like again, we were talking just you know a few minutes ago about how he was the one pushing the underground to more you know outside directions, which led to him being ousted from the band and only released two records with them. He was out by what like sixty eight or sixty nine or something like that. I think White Light what he came out in sixty eight and it was I mean yeah. at some point shortly after that. But like yeah, that five years later he's responding with this like record that uh, has a lot of moments that are more immediate than anything the Velvet Underground had done up to that point. It's, such, sure. a, it's like such a Baroque pop record. I feel like yeah, he's totally. like the guy who can yeah. like connect Brian Eno to Brian Wilson. Like he's like that oh, middle that's, ground that can... Yeah, that, that, is, that is a really ooh. apt point because, I mean, yeah, he's definitely collaborated with Brian Eno. We, we talked about that record um, just the wrong, you know, wrong way up a few minutes ago. Too. He did, they have, he, yeah. Uh, Eno, I love that Eno's credit, I want to say it's Fear uh, on Fear, um, he's credited as just playing Brian Eno. Brian Eno <laughs> playing Brian. Like, like, no one knows what Eno does. <laughs> but to that point, though, that Brian, like, yeah, I mean, there are definitely a lot of compositions that, yeah, sounds like, again, they're not like, you know, I would say Wilson uh, Pasty, uh, necessarily, but like, so, you know, there's something to be said about like his melodic touch, his compositional touch, his, you know, far-ranging influence, and again, like, he's somebody that is, in my mind, like, a student of like, classical composition, but always has his ear to the ground in that mm -hmm. way, where he's still just drawing from everything around him and bringing more to that. Yeah. And it just, again, it's led to, you know, I wouldn't say that all of his records are great, but on some level, I think there is something interesting about everything that he has put out. There is something that, like, feels inspired or worthwhile or, you know, just kind of worth exploring, even if the records on the whole aren't that great. It's just, again, he is just, with each one of them, I mean, he's constantly pushing himself, and, like, I... I he is somebody that, you know, there are like a dozen or so records, you know, with other bands or collaborators or, you know, solo or whatever that I think are excellent, you know, a few duds here and there. But like, I mean, just like to say that he has has had an incredibly singular career is, in, you know, that's an understatement, you know, to the utmost degree. I mean, it's just it's been kind of remarkable. Again, I knew this stuff going in, but, just you know, go through and actually I, I ended up listening to everything he put out except for collaboration he did with Bob Newworth. I couldn't find that anywhere. Okay. And I, I would like to hear that just to find the what's the one with the Caribbean title? Caribbean Oh I did, yes, I did listen to that. Because I thought that, that was not on streaming. Is it on streaming? I don't believe so. No. Yeah. There were there were definitely a few that I had to just 
get on YouTube or just elsewhere or whatever. Only only Swa is that on stream? I don't think so. No, yeah, there's some weird ones that are yeah, like, you that, get, like uh, a certain label. I, I forget what the full title is. That, that Caribbean record was definitely uh, one of the lower points. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think on the it's whole. fun though. I like. There are fun moments for sure, yeah. but I mean, like I don't know. Like it, it, it I guess it, um, I don't know. Like. Uh, th- there are definitely things that, again, with all of his records, I think there are, again, things that are worthwhile about. There are moments that are fun. There are some nice melodies. Uh, just a nice sense of kind of whimsy that runs throughout it. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it just, it was one of those that really just kind of left me a little cold and I kind of forgot about almost immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it just, again, it speaks to that kind of thing where he, like, it's not the sort of record that I ever would have thought that he would be interested in making. But it's just, like, you can't, you know, pigeonhole him really in any sort of way like that. But So for you, favorite album? I think... Uh, I mean, again, Solo would definitely be Paris 1919 for sure. I think favorite album that he's been involved with has got to be Velvet Underground and Nico for sure. Oh, the, the first? I didn't know. I yeah. never even knew that was yeah. your... Okay. That's, that's definitely my favorite Velvet Underground record. I'd say favorite thing that, again, he's been involved with in any capacity. But, um, yeah, Paris 1919 as a, a recording artist himself. What about you, though? I'm going Fear uh, for Velvet Underground album that he's involved with, I guess. White Light. No, I know I it changes every day. We we did I, talk yeah, about this a little. They're like, all so. I ask you tomorrow, it would be a different answer. Yeah. Like, I know. And then production, just overall production wise, I guess Modern Lovers self-titled. I think. It's yes, so it's just self-titled. Yeah, this, I think that's my favorite of his. Yeah, yeah. and that wasn't even released until way after yeah, it was recorded, the recorded and right. the band mm-hmm. was disbanded. Yes, yeah. right, right. Yeah, I think yeah, if we're talking production, that and then that first Uja record, I think, are the ones for me. I love, love yeah. the way that sounds. It just uh, oh, another Bowie connection because didn't Bowie produce another Stooges record? The last one. Yeah, he always yeah. talks about how they brought it to him, and it was like everything was recorded with like no good separation, so that the only thing he could do for mixing, he's like, "Why are you guys even paying me? All I can do is just turn things up and down. Like, that's mm-hmm. all I can like, do. Like, like you can fucking do this." Like, I guess you want Bowie's name on the record. Oh yeah, no, totally. That, even at that point, I mean, that was still early on, but I think, well. I mean, well, whatever, space. Like, there was at a point where, I mean, the Stooges had already been more established, but I think Bowie was a bigger name still at that point. And I, I wonder if that was the, because this is something I thought about too when I had gone through the Stooges. I didn't, I don't remember what the case was with this, but I wonder if that was when they were really starting to actually work together. Because they had, you know, the, the Berlin era was when they had, you know, kind of detoxed, moved to Germany, yeah. and like lived together and were working on music. But I wonder how long that, you know, really, like where, where the origins of that were, if they yeah. were on, you know, Rob Howard, what, but. Um, yeah, those first three Stooges records are great, and I mean, I think everything that I've heard that Kills produced, I've enjoyed, that I'm aware yeah. of, for sure. I'd love to see him, okay, I got one question for you guys then, kind of, yeah. who would be a contemporary artist you would like to see John Cale produce an album for? Good question. I don't necessarily have an answer right off the gate either, right out the gate. An obvious one for me, just thinking about, again, the collaborations on Mercy would be maybe the next Wise Blood record. That was kind of... I think that could be a really just inspired pairing, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could see that, like, working out really well, but... Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a placeholder for me right now, for sure. Do you have one? Because you mentioned that Wise Blood came to mind for you. Do you have somebody that... I would love to see, like, a reach into something different. Like, I don't know if it'd be, like... Playboy Ocean Cardi. or something or like I mean that could be Playboy that Cardi. could actually be so cool. that would be well again I wouldn't think that the interest would necessarily be there but then you hear Mercy and it's like yeah maybe the interest would be there <laughs> goodness Fra- I'm really cool Frank Ocean that's a good answer I too. think that'd be yeah. good like they could find a way to do something oh just, totally yeah yeah hmm Donald hmm. Lewis oh not Donald Lewis they're both Welsh <laughs> I mean the Welsh connection 
I feel there's a Welsh, there's like a way, Danny man. Exactly. Uh, I mean, maybe Saint Vincent. Oh, that would be that's totally feasible too. Yeah. I feel like. yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You can see that coming after the burn. Cloud yeah. Too, like moving into kale. Yeah, yeah, that totally. would make me happy. Mm-hmm. I love to hear that, and I yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that that might be the the course correction that you know I need for Saint Vincent because the last few have left, definitely left me very the last one in particular. God, that record left me so cold. Yeah. Daddy's home. Yeah, Daddy should have stayed out. Uh, <laughs> we, David Byrne have stayed in? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know if um there are any other points you want to make or any other kind of lasting thoughts i do want to say like like i i think uh mercy is really a terrible kind of entry point but that is a record that i think people should check out because it really again just the sheer fact that you know somebody that is well established is doing things like that is pretty interesting but i think even if you don't know anything about kale it does hold up well on its own i mean mm-hmm. have you listened to this much I and mean, we talked about it a little not, bit i think not really no okay because yeah it, the it, video with wise blood though yeah it's one of my favorite music videos of the year for sure yeah. and yeah you know just it's just great production, great, like, just uh, guest performances. Uh, really, really, you know, enjoy the arrangement. It's just, it's got, again, kind of a weird, unsettling, just specific sort of thing that it does, just doesn't, it reminds me of a lot of things that I like, but doesn't sound really quite like anything, one specific thing. And um, it's just, it's a cool pit for him. And uh, yeah, I just, I'm glad that he's still, you know, making music. That's exciting. I don't know if Mercy would actually be a top fiver for me of his stuff, but I mean, I think it's a, just something that people should check out but for a uh, career artist like that just having that be a question i think is cool like, oh yeah, yeah totally it could be a top yeah. five right exactly like i don't think it's the way that's i don't think i it'd be very difficult for me to figure out like what my five favorites are i know like i said paris 1919 is like the one for me and i really think if you're going to check out john quail soul stuff that probably is the best entry point just kind of on the whole but i think the first album super well, the, fir- the, fir- the first the first three trials. actually are pretty yeah. good pretty good place to jump in i'm not saying that there aren't good entry points i think paris 1919 is like the obvious one but like the, the first three are like fairly accessible mm-hmm. i think just on the whole for sure mm-hmm. you have no sense of who john kill is or what he's done or you know kind of a sense of music that is kind of in that vein i think that any of those three would be good places to jump in um yeah do you guys have any kind of lasting thoughts that you want to share about kale or I think the table's favorite vegetable on the whole. It's yeah, safe to say. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel I'm, I feel satiated. Good deal. I <laughs> am <laughs> pleasantly, pleasantly happy with this conversation, and I fucking love John Kale. It's one of the goats. Go off, Queen. I. uh also have uh some more goats to talk about right now this is uh i've got five five. we're jumping right on Mm -hmm. in so Mm -hmm. i think i've (laughs) dude i feel like every single time because this is the third time that i've done this this year just again speaking to just us not being on you know the kind of recording recording schedule that would be ideal and there's a lot of records that have slipped through the cracks a lot of these come out can have come out a while back and they're records that if you pay attention to you know contemporary music you're well aware of, but i gotta give them their shouts out shouts out because these are great records and are absolutely worth discussing so number five is that feels good by jesse ware uh either you familiar with jesse ware seen the name of i would say you probably have yeah. seen the name she's a pop musician singer songwriter 
kind of had a bit of a uh, kind of disco revival pivot the last handful of years, and this record is a full-blown disco revival. There's, there's some R&B and soul and other stuff on there, but it is pretty, like, very, very disco-influenced, and I think one of the better disco records that I've ever heard, honestly. It's incredibly well-produced. There are incredible melodies on here, um, just good songwriting. Like, it really is the kind of thing where it's like, oh, yeah, like, this is, I think, you know, just, like... The sort of stuff that I don't necessarily grant a gravity towards, but I feel like it's just, it's so well realized that it's kind of undeniable, in my opinion, and like, regardless of how you feel about pop music or disco or anything like that, I think that, it, like, this is like a, a really strong uh, showcase of the form, um, and something that I would really kind of recommend to just anybody across the board, honestly. Um, next record is Maps by Billy Woods and uh, Kenny Seagal. This is probably the most celebrated hip-hop record of the year so far. We've talked about this a little bit, I think. Danny, have you listened to this yet? No. I can't imagine this is something that is on your radar whatsoever, Brandy. It um, is not. Billy Woods is a, I want to say, New York-based uh, rapper. I forget where Kenny Seagull is from. They've, uh, Kenny Seagull is a producer. Billy Woods is a rapper. They first came together uh, on 2019 record Hiding Places, which is an underground hip-hop favorite uh, has become since then. And this is the second record that they put out together. And uh, Billy Woods has released a lot of stuff as a solo act and then with, Armin, with Elucid as Armin Hammer. Uh, one of the most consistent artists, you know, in hip hop or otherwise, in the last like decade or so, and I think Maps is one of his strong records. I mean, this is basically uh, sort of um, just a concept record about just being on the road as a touring musician, and uh, it's a lot lighter sounding than I mean, his he's a, like just one of those rappers that it can take some kind of time to wade through. I mean, there are no hooks, no really kind of the super like well defined kind of melodies outside of any specific loops. I mean, it's just like very kind of you know uh, introspective and uh just kind of blunt really drawing from a lot of different kind of uh you know disparate influences but talking a lot about you know societal ills and it kind of has a no holds barred sort of approach and this record has a lot more kind of humor shining through the edges i mean there's definitely darkness but like the sound of it's a lot brighter more melodic uh and just yeah the writing is you just hilarious and horrifying and equal measure a lot of the time and uh just incredibly thoughtful and uh yeah, I think one of the, one of the strongest rappers yeah, you know, of the last decade for sure. And uh, if you're gonna listen to any hip hop record this year, Maps really should be the one. Uh, number three is "I've Seen Away" by Mandy Indiana. They are a Manchester four-piece. They probably the deb- I've Seen Away is their debut album. They have uh, I think at least one other EP and some other singles. But yeah, this is the first record. Uh, it kind of splits the difference between like noise rock and post punk and dance punk. It's very abrasive, very just like unsettling it's like danceable but like also just like very corrosive sounding and uh just nasty in a lot of moments but uh, i don't know if we had gotten this much danny but between this and model actress's uh debut dog's body which i talked about a few episodes back dance punk is really having a moment right now they're like i think that one of those things that i you know, haven't heard a ton of within recent years and i think some of the most yeah, just you know exciting dance punk that i've ever heard has come out this year specifically and it's gonna be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds but as far as yeah like trends that i've noticed that's maybe like the big one this year as far as again like just really great records and mm-hmm. i uh i think you might enjoy this brandy i don't know if this would really be up your alley danny i'd definitely be curious to hear what you think about it but i really i think just exciting well you know fully formed kind of debut um the um vocalist valentine caulfield sings entirely in french and it's all like Ooh, very very so pretentious yeah, I know. I can't believe they would have you what know a French person. I, yeah, I know. It's insane. I it's, the pretension is unbelievable. And a lot of c'est très magnifique. Way? No, no way. You think it's 
very magnificent. No way. I think it's say Trey uh, pretentious. Thank you. I think it's say it's say. Yeah, okay, all right. Let's <laughs> agreeing about the record that I'm hyping up being pretentious. No, yeah. I, I I like it quite a bit, and I was just gonna say like the the I did end up translating the lyrics that I was writing about this, and uh, yeah, it's it's all like very just kind of cutthroat leftist ideology just you know absolute fucking catnip for your boy so uh nice. yeah a lot, a lot that i really appreciate about them and uh definitely want to catch them live at some point second record is number two i should say is uh this album called everyone's crushed by water from your eyes i have to mention this is a name that you may have seen danny no no brandy you familiar at all with tears no, no, I know that we're not familiar with the concept of tears, so I'm not going to try to blow any minds, but just, just okay. water from your eyes. Yeah, no, I'm artist. sorry. You have nothing to apologize for. It's just a concept <laughs> that I wouldn't expect listeners to get it, and I'm not going to get into what tears are, but <laughs> water from your eyes is uh, this really um, interesting kind of art pop duo from Brooklyn. They put out a couple records so far, and uh, this is, I think, their best record yet. It is just like... Yeah, kind of wonky, unpredictable, very colorful, electronic, but also, you know, just kind of guitar and uh, key heavy. And there's a lot of stuff going on with this, but it is just kind of like bonkers off the walls, really, really, um, yeah, just like interesting and adventurous music that, again, the sort of thing that reminds me of a lot of stuff that I like, but doesn't, you know, really kind of smack of, you know, being a derivative of any one particular sort of artist. And yeah, just, again, the, the sort of act that, I think really does feel like they're it's sort of like kind of limitless right now just because it's such an open-ended sort of toolkit and they're just doing really interesting things within the realm you know just like playing with synths and jam drum machines and you know i mentioned guitars and keys and stuff but like yeah it, it is just like full-blown art pop and uh has a really nice yeah like consistent avant-garde edge to it but it's also very melodic and approachable and yeah it's just, there's a lot going for it i mean this is they're definitely one of the more exciting i mean i feel like i've said this a lot on here but um, along with Mandy Nana and uh, Model Actress, one of the more exciting bands that I've uh, gotten into this year for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a record that I think actually you both would enjoy, and I highly recommend checking out at some point. Could okay. definitely make my year-end list. But yeah. uh, number one, the most exciting band that I've gotten into this year by far is uh, well, the album is called Rats Out God. The band is Wednesday. I've talked about this band a lot on this podcast already, um, but I don't know if you know this, but we're currently living through the summer of Lenderman. Uh, their uh, gu- lead guitarist, MJ Lenderman. I have decided that this is just going to be the summer of Lenderman, where oh. ev- every day is Wednesday, and that's just what it is. So, okay. Uh, Thank yeah. you for informing yeah, me. Yeah, just so you know, that's what you're living through right now. Yes, um, okay. Yeah. Rats Out God, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this thing. I mean, it really, it, it you know, just exudes so much of just what I want out of just music and art in general. I mean, it's so, you know, hyper-specific about the point of view you know, where currently front woman Carly Hartsman is coming from. I mean, it's un- unmistakably singular in that way. She's got a very just interesting, thoughtful point of view that, like, I mean, they, I believe they're based out of Asheville. Um, North Carolina? So, yeah, I think Asheville, North Carolina is, uh, I, I think that, I mean, I don't know if they're still currently based. That's, that's where they formed. And, uh, like, yeah, she grew up in the South, and there are a lot of uh, the songs in here are really just harrowing tales from growing up uh, in the South. And there's uh, a lot of just, you know, substance abuse substance abuse and uh just kind of you know economic degradation and uh just like you know heartbreak obviously and all kinds of it's it's really like kind of downtrodden nasty sounding sort of music 
but uh, it's just so like there there is a sort of catharsis from that that is like so like I, you know, I mentioned that with a lot of emo bands that I like, but yeah, I mean they have it full spade. I mean we were talking about Bull Believer earlier, that second yeah. song from Ants Are God, and I mean that you is you can feel the pain being released. Yeah, that that is one of those songs that I mean that's the kind of thing that I you know we named the podcast after. It's that to me is what that is. It's just like. It, it it's like yeah just so life affirming in a way that i just do not really get from you know other forms of art and you know other arenas of my life and there are 10 songs on this record it's like 37 minutes long just a really pretty intense sprint i mean they're, they're quieter uh prettier moments on here but a lot of it is very noisy i mean we talked a little bit about how this strikes you more as like grunge than anything else danny and for me going into it the descriptions i had heard i don't know yeah just i I think I was expecting something a little with a little more alt country in the mix, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that, and so to me then it just came across as being grungier. Yeah. And so that was kind of the vibe I was getting from it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I um, I do think that like yeah, it's it's definitely like heavier and yeah, much more intense and potentially more difficult to get into than other records of theirs. Uh, like, yeah, I, I'd say considerably more abrasive, and especially like if you're coming to this record from where you were with MJ Lenderman stuff mm-hmm. it's definitely not going to strike that same sort of vein MJ Lenderman the guitarist yeah puts out solo work under his own name and that's more in the sort of like Neil Young uh, kind of like yeah just like classic kind of like stripped down slacker rock lo-fi indie rock folk kind of stuff and I mean I'd say with MJ Lenderman solo as well and Wednesday there is definitely a very very pronounced kind of alternative country uh, influence on there as well and there are moments throughout his work and this album as well that I, in my opinion, sound very much like you know more or less kind of straightforward country music, but again, it's just filtered through their own kind of warped uh, idiosyncratic sensibilities, and it's still just unmistakably Wednesday, however you cut it. But yeah, I, I do think that um, yeah, this record is just yeah more interesting and more potent and thoughtful, and uh, just has so much more going for it than the vast majority of music that I've heard this year, uh, new or otherwise. And uh, I will be seeing them live for the first time tonight, actually, tonight. at the Pyramid Scheme in Grand Rapids, and uh, should be interesting. I like so, that. We're looking forward to that review. Yeah, definitely. We'll be giving it to you soon. Summer of Letterman rolls on. Happy Wednesday, my dudes. Happy Wednesday. Ecstasy out. Ecstasy out. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.